0: Sounds like we're connected. We're good. All right, guys. NC Fit, Jason Kalipa. He is back. We are going to talk about it and the business of CrossFit.
1: Hey, I've got this on my list to talk about, Fern, (laughs) but I want to jump right into it. Jason, you got a little cauliflower ear?
2: Uh, Yeah, I do. I love it. Um it's quite the jujitsu practitioner. This, I don't yeah. know if you knew that. Yeah. I got a little card fire, but uh,
0: I'm the only hey. person here that doesn't uh frequently wrestle with other people.
1: I'm trying <laughs> to get him. He was... every man on the planet should do jujitsu.
0: Is that do you agree? I don't even disagree with you. I'm fully on board with that statement. Yeah. I
2: think, I mean, not to go off on a jujitsu tangent here, but yeah, I think go, go. Let's go all the way. <laughs> Look, I, I, there's so many similarities between CrossFit and jujitsu. It is ridiculous as far as the affiliate models concerned. but in regards to like a fitness regimen, I mean, dude, jujitsu just filled a void for me that I think is, you know, in CrossFit, you, know, when you first get introduced, you fall in love with the complex movements. Some, some people, not everybody, the rope climb, the muscle up, you want to try and achieve these goals. And then all of a sudden, when you achieve them, you might get small incremental increase over time, but not like brand new skills that often. In Jiu Jitsu, it kind of unlocked my mind to like, there's always a new technique that I could learn. And so it's kind of fulfilling that piece. I still obviously work all the time. I just got done doing a class, um, but I love
0: jujitsu. So, we got three Jasons on the show. Three Jasons. Yeah. This is the, this is a Jason, Jason, Jason sandwich. Yeah. Trying yeah. <laughs> <Kind> <laughs> of, yeah. How, uh, J- how long have you been doing jujitsu For quite a while, right?
2: Yeah, six years. So um, in 2016, after I stopped competing professionally in CrossFit, so my last year at the CrossFit Games was 2015. And in 2016, um, my daughter was diagnosed with leukemia in January. And I was looking for an outlet for myself to um, help me mentally and physically kind of overcome some of the stress that we were under. And I found jujitsu as a way to kind of like You cannot focus on anything but that when you're on the mats. And so it was a really good timing in my life to like, um, to have that as an outlet when I could do it. Oftentimes I couldn't do it as much as I wanted to. So
0: I started in 2016, but I really started ramping up like over the years. And then, um, I'm just curious, this is, I'm all, these are all selfish questions for me because I need to like, just go pull the trigger. How, what is your, what was your, what is your frequency of training now?
2: So I probably train, I roll jujitsu two to three days a week. It depends on what my it depends on what I'm training for. So I competed twice in the last six months in jiu-jitsu. So I prioritize that now that I'm kind of, I guess, getting ready for the open, I'm going to prioritize that. And so my training will look a little bit in jiu- different in jiu-jitsu. But when I was getting ready for like master worlds, which is a really big competition, I was training, you know, five days a week, jujitsu, and then hitting classes in our gym a couple of days a week as well. So it just depends on what I'm prioritizing at the time. Um, but right now I'm prioritizing CrossFit.
1: How'd you do at the master's?
2: I did good. In the, so I, I won. Um, so I'm purple belt. Uh, so I'm a, I'm a purple belt. I've been at purple belt for a while. Um, I, I won my first match. I went to my second match and basically went to referee's decision, which was a learning experience for me. It was super intimidating. I mean, there's thousands, I mean, it's a huge event. It's in Vegas. Um, I just learned that I wasn't, um, I left it in the hands of the referee and I learned a lot, of that experience so that won't happen again. I should have I should have pulled guard. Neither one of us wanted to go to the ground. And so we just basically just fought standing up the whole time. And I should have gone with a different game plan. So learned a lot there. And then I took that into my next tournament and I ended up winning that one. Yeah, that's what's unique
1: about jujitsu for non-practitioners. Like every tournament and every regulating body has slightly different rules. So you have to kind of, it's not like CrossFit where it's like, hey, the goal is to be faster than this guy. Do you get points for going to the ground? Is there a time domain where there's no points and then it's changes? So you you really have to know that specifically.
0: I realize this might be a disappointment for a lot of the listeners because they thought they were going to talk about NC fit coming back into the affiliate space, but this is actually just Um, a jujitsu podcast at this point.
1: You came to the wrong podcast. We're going to talk
0: talk about
1: Jason's journey to purple belt.
0: (laughs) So, well, so actually we are going to talk about it. I, I really, I, 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 Enjoyed immensely speaking to you. I realize I probably spoke to you for way too long when we, when we were at Waterpaloos. I was like, "We've been talking." You know, I, like I enjoyed that. our conversations too. That was a lot of fun. That was great. The um, but were you at the uh, affiliate summit in Cali this past week? I,
2: I was. Yeah, I was there. by Emily. I was there. Um, Yes. No. Wait. Today's uh, Monday. So, yeah. On Saturday, uh, we I participated in the West Coast Affiliate Gathering. And yeah, I mean, look, our our conversations at Wadapalooza were super refreshing. And I really enjoyed our conversations. Um, I think the kind of conversations that we were having need to be had more. And uh, I, I appreciated going to the affiliate gathering because I was able to see kind of where Cross was going. And I had just podcast with Don the day before, so I knew the vision that he wanted to lay out in terms of the four characteristics he's looking to pursue and the goal of getting to 30 million people by 2030. But it was nice to hear him speak to the affiliates and kind of see what was going on. What was the vibe there? I'd say the vibe was very positive. Um, I think Don set the tone really well. He's a phenomenal speaker. I thought he did a great job. You know, here's my big takeaways from that. They had Jordan speak about sales to affiliate owners, which is like, I never heard of that before. Meaning the fact that CrossFit is not talking about sales or even discussing business is like such a major step in the right direction. I, I cannot express how happy I am to see that. So Jordan went up and talked about sales. talked about how selling is not a negative thing. I thought that was really well received. I thought people were really positive in general. Um, I provided some feedback to Austin on some things I think could improve for the future. But overall, I thought it was it was a it was a great
0: event. That's all. Awesome. And from because we had a couple of uh, clients that were there too, but there was like several hundred affiliates there. Correct?
2: Yeah, I mean the the the. It was hard to tell who actually owned the gym and who was just like a coach coming with them. I'd say about a hundred affiliate owner owners, like actual owners, and then and they then brought the like coaches a, with them. Got yeah. it.
0: Okay. Well, I mean, I think that's cool. I think some of the coaches and people need to see that. Like, I think sorry, I don't know what is happening here. Um, I think some of the the coaches need to be in those conversations because I, dude, you know this. You've been a gym owner for a while. That is typically a friction point, which is like the business owner is trying to grow. He's trying to put in sound business practices and then potentially getting pushback from a head coach or a GM who's kind of still in the world of 2007, which we get into. But I think they should be bringing coaches to that so the coaches can see behind the curtain and understand what really needs to happen for the long-term health of affiliates.
2: Yeah. I mean, for the long-term health of affiliates, I'm I'm convinced of this and talk about jujitsu and then I'll I'll move on. But talking about jujitsu, I see a lot of similarities in terms of the uh, the model. So I've been to a lot of jujitsu gyms, you know, Jason, I'm sure you've been to quite a few and very similar to CrossFit. You go into one, you might have a completely different experience than somewhere else. And it's actually to the detriment of the overall community. You know, you go to one jujitsu gym, I've, I've probably been to, I don't know, uh, 30 jujitsu gyms. I've probably been a thousand, you know, a thousand CrossFits, but out of the 30, there's big differences in terms of the way they do their warm up, in terms of the way they introduce people. And the barrier to entry for jiu-jitsu, I think is even bigger than the barrier to entry for CrossFit. And when someone comes in, they have one poor experience. They're never going back into jiu-jitsu ever. And that same thing applies for CrossFit. And so I think as an industry, we need to start having these conversations on how do we enhance the product on the floor and then also the business acronym. So we can start paying our coaches premiums. So we can start having professional coaches on the floor to rise the entire tides. And I think that's Ultimately, where CrossFit's at right now, which is really exciting. So let me ask you, Jason, because I agree with you,
1: especially at the beginner level. Because I was thinking about it as you're saying, like I just I moved to Colorado and I went to a couple of schools, and I knew what made a good school, so it made it really easy to make that. Just like I showed up and the guy started on time. The instructor rolled with me first, which I can tell was like, how's this guy roll? Is he a spaz or or whatnot? And so I knew what I was looking for. So I think there's a tipping point where when you're in it long enough, you accept these are all like 10th planet is different than Gracie, which is different than this, but that also can help you make your decision.
2: Yeah, I think so too.
1: So the key is educating people that all of these affiliates are different and it's okay to figure out which one suits your needs.
2: But you're also saying we all need to just level up in general. We have to, I mean... I'll tell you right now, you walk in and you have a poor experience at a CrossFit gym, you're going to go tell three friends that CrossFit sucks, just like Jujitsu. But if you go in, you have a phenomenal experience, someone who cares, someone who starts on time, doesn't just play the music or whatever, um, the place is clean, et cetera. You're going to go tell three friends about how awesome CrossFit is. And if we could do that on a magnifying scale across thousands and thousands of affiliates, That's how you go from 3 million people doing CrossFit to 30 million people. And I'm convinced of that. And, you know, I'm at a place in my life where I want to be a part of that growth. I want to be a part of that. Um, uh, I want to be a part of that. Um, not, I, I want to be a part of that solution. Meaning I want to be able to introduce more people to CrossFit in a positive way and share practices that we've used at our gyms to help us. I, you know, I believe do that with as many owners as possible, and not be on the sideline. Um, I want to be in the game, you know, with everybody else. Well,
0: And that's what I that was really what I was like excited me about our conversation, because we talked a lot about business stuff like that. But when you kind of shared, like, you're, you make the decision, you're making the decision to reaffiliate just for you personally, for no other reason, just like, I just want this is where I would like to go with all of this.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, on, on the one hand, obviously, like we spoke about, it's a highly personal decision for me. I have, been a part of the CrossFit community for years. I've taught seminars, I've won the CrossFit games. I've uh, I mean I've I've been as deep as you can into it. And you know, over the years, you know, things transpire whatever, and we are where we're at, but I want to personally support because no matter where I go, no matter what I do, I'm always going to be connected to CrossFit. It's a part of my legacy, and I want to do everything I can to make CrossFit as successful, as successful as possible. In addition though, I do believe that Affiliating with CrossFit is at the best interest of my team here at NC Fit, our community, and the greater community that we service. I do believe that, and so I have a responsibility to my family, to the families of all the gym, uh, all the coaches that we support, to align our business where we believe is in the best interest of those people. And prior, I don't, I didn't necessarily feel that way. Now I do, especially Don. You know, being a member of our gym for so many years, I believe in his leadership and where he wants to go. So I was going to say,
0: I think most people didn't know that is that he's been, how long has he been a member at at NC fit? Uh, eight years. Yeah. We don't, when he first became CEO, I, I did not, you know, try and publicize
2: that. I did not want to put him on blast or that was not my intention. (laughs) Yeah. And I didn't want to also, I didn't want to like boast like, Oh, look at him. He's the, but you know, when he, he's publicly said it, like on the podcast, I just did with him that's releasing soon that, you know, he got his start at NorCal Cross, which then branded NC fit eight years ago. And so because he's saying it now, I feel okay to say it too, you know? <laughs> so what made you decide, you know,
1: Don became CEO at the games. So it's nearly six months ago. It probably would have been an easy time to be like, hey, we'll come back, Don. Like, But what made you wait the six months and what was it right now that made you, was it talking to Fern at Wadapalooza? Is that what did it?
2: <laughs> it, was, it was Fern. So I was on the fence. You're welcome, everybody. And, and then I met Fern, and I was like, "This is the guy." You know, uh, no. The, the, the truth is, is that um, I we did take our time, and you know, when Don, you know, when Don took over leadership, we spoke before he took over as CEO, and then once he was CEO, I continued to speak to him, plus Gary Gaines and Austin Miliolo, who I think have done a good job, and. I didn't want to rush this decision. This was a very big decision on the surface. Are we rebranding? No. Are we changing much that's happening in our gym? No, we're, but we are able to call, we're doing CrossFit and we're aligned on a shared vision and saying that was a big deal for me. So I guess what I'm trying to say is that I want to take my time, make sure we are completely aligned. And over those six months, I felt better and better and better each month until we were ready to make the decision. Um, so I guess that's that. That's the answer to that. You know, it just took me some time to really kind of see. Okay, you know, where are you trying to go, Don, and what are you trying to do? And I didn't necessarily feel that same way with prior leadership, including Eric. I, I didn't. I didn't get that same emotion from him that I do from from um, Don.
0: Is there something specific that you that that you really kind of? Um kind of gravitated to with regard to like Don's visions, like as he's laying that out, you're like that, that actually speaks to me very much.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think that we're mutually aligned on that. I don't feel like CrossFit's reached its potential at all, at all. I I think it's got millions of more people that it could impact if it just, you know, um, I think that we're mutually aligned on where the affiliate needs to go. And that was the biggest thing for me. The biggest thing for me is that the inconsistencies at the affiliate level the lack of even trying to support has always been a struggle for me. And that's different now. And the idea that talking about money or talking about sales or talking about profitability was a bad thing. I think that was to detriment of the CrossFit community. I'm glad that we could reshape the future. And I think that there are going to be some affiliates who don't necessarily align with what CrossFit is going to do today. But I think that's actually a good thing because we want to be able to set this up for the next 10, 20, 50 years to come. And we need people who want to treat it like a business, who are operating businesses that also are passionate and love CrossFit, but they have to be both of those things. I think that's important.
0: I think that's the big rub, and we could talk about this. And I, the money thing has always been a bit of a, a, a like perplexing to me as well, and. I agree with you. It's just like technique and intensity. That's the way we look at it. I look at everything through kind of like the level one trainer guy, which is like, hey, you want to be a sound business, but I also want to be like really passionate and good at my craft. And if I can match those two things, I mean, you're talking about like rocket fuel. And I think we've bounced back and forth and the pendulum has swung so many different directions. There's like, hey, money's the devil. Just be good at training and be benevolent. And it's just like, well, and then you kind of swing the other direction. It's like, hey, it's just about sales. We can have shitty training. It's totally fine. I'm like, well, that, that's, all, that's equally as bad. You know, ne- neither one of those is going to get you to the desired outcome Um, and then with, so when, when you talk about like where the affiliates need to go, like what, like, what do you see as like a top notch affiliate? Like just if you were to kind of like describe it,
2: I think that this idea that you're impacting members lives is important, but how many lives becomes a really big key component. And when I think about it, I think about impacting my family's life by doing something I love Impacting our staff's life and then, therefore, impacting our members' life. And the goal is to increase each piece of that. Obviously, not like my family's. I'm not trying to, you know, but the point I'm trying to make is that a good affiliate is someone who runs a sound business, who could take home six figure income, who could pay their coaches extremely well, and then, therefore, have the means to go do really cool stuff with their community, philanthropic efforts, whatever else that they're about. That's a good affiliate in my mind. It is not. It can also be a hobby if done the right way. But I feel like if you really want to talk about something that's done the right, I think it should be treated like a business and it should have coaches that are compensated accordingly. Otherwise, the entire model long-term will not sustain. Because what I've seen too many times is that if after long periods of time, you don't generate enough revenue, your passion, you start building resentment towards it. And that's when these gyms start closing down, offering shitty service. And that is to detriment of the entire community. So I think we have to talk about Profitability and growth for the owner, which then leads to growth for the coaches, which then leads to um, a sustainable business long term.
0: Well, it's just one. Of, it's if we were to simplify this as much as possible, and this is kind of like people are like, well, I'm not here to make money. I'm like, then stop exchanging money for services. Just do just do it for free. And the second that I like filed for a business license and like go to the IR and I'm like, here's my business entity and I got a brick and mortar and I'm like, you have an obligation to run a sound business and check all of the boxes that you just, uh, that you just listed out there. And I think somewhere along the line, we're just like, no, it's just okay to like, I don't want to run a good business is really kind of like what we're all saying. Like, like just kind of not out loud. It's like, Oh no, I don't want to run a good business. I just want to run a business that like, that helps people in air quotes. And I'm being kind of sarcastic because I do think that we need to have that conversation, which is like, it's not good enough to just try hard and be, you know, really caring about, we make the joke, be like, Hey, look, listen, it's not enough to just care. Like it's not enough, right? You're well, going to need to back to that up with
2: Care only about a certain part of your business. Correct. It's enough to care, but you have to care as a business owner, not as a coach. Like you chose to take on, um, as an entrepreneurship, as an entrepreneur, a, a business, you do not choose to take on a coaching role. That is a piece of your entrepreneurship journey, but it's not the only piece. And I think we have to be real about that. If you want to be a great coach, dude, go rock and roll, man. Get your L4, crush it. But if you want to be an affiliate owner, it's not just about the coaching. It's about all the other skill sets. And if you don't have them, you have to be able to recognize that to create a sustainable business for yourself. Um, I'm really big on this, man. And I think that the more we have these conversations, the better off it's going to be for the entire ecosystem, because we're going to create owners that care about the business and the product on the floor, which is, I think, going to help drive CrossFit forward for the next couple of decades but we need people like you at the forefront. Like I've run multiple
1: successful affiliates. Fern's box is currently crushing it. And, and you know, people look at us as like outlier, like, oh, that's you, like you sold for X, that's unusual. Or your box generates X, that's unusual. But people like you that are showing, look, not only do I believe in this, I'm doing it. And I believe all of you can do it. Cause you know, people look up to you and respect you. You've been in this industry for quite some time, you know, e- e- You took 30 clusters at 155 and turned it into a lifetime, you know, business right there. It's like, and, but it's really awesome to see. And I I love hearing it because anyone watching, like it's possible. And that mindset of like, like Fern said, I'm not in it to make money. We need to show people like a, it's
2: okay to make money, but B you actually can, if you do it right. Yeah, you can. And I'd like to start sharing more of that. Like I'm in a gym right now that, you know, hit a class capacity at 18 people on one side and has seven people at open gym on the other side. That's, I'm literally in it right now. I just finished testing a workout for the NC Fit Collective and that is possible. And we just have to, especially coming out of COVID, people are craving in brick and mortar. People are craving in person, but we it, it doesn't happen overnight. It starts with your culture from the top down, but you could run a successful gym and you can make good living. Um, but you have to treat it as so, and this idea, you know, um, one of the things I want to talk to you guys about is like, I met three owners at Wadapalooza alone who took over their affiliate because they didn't want to go away, but not because they wanted to run it like a business just because they didn't want to see their community fall, you know, go apart. And the, the, the problem I have with that is that each one of these people had somewhere between 50 and hundred members, but they also had other full-time jobs. So when you're one foot in, one foot out, or if the desire you had was just to continue with your, your community, dude, your community is awesome. But we have to recognize when you take over a business, like there's more to it than just a community long-term. If you don't treat it like a business, that community is going to go away.
0: And, um, you just yeah. kick the can down the road. Like That's it would right. have, it, it would have been it, in some instances it, it would be there would be strong argument for saying, hey, we should actually shut this down and we should move everybody over to this other one because that would actually be better for all parties, right? Like it would be better for that gym owner, that staff, all of those people, the service provided. And I think sometimes we just get emotional about it because CrossFit's a little weird in that sense. and, And we make what our... By every other metric, irrational decisions. You'd be like, hey, I'm going to buy this thing that's just terrible, and I'm like, w- why? Why? Just it, you'd actually be better cut your losses and then consolidate somewhere else. And I don't want to see CrossFit gyms shut down, but the reality is, like, there, there, there may need to be some kind of sloughing off, if you will, uh, with regard to some of the affiliates for the overall benefit of the larger community. And that's that's a candidly, that's very tough for me to say because I'm super passionate about affiliates, but it kind of is what it is. It's no different than in the affiliate, which is like, that is some members that are really problematic that might be inhibiting my growth. It it actually is better for me to kind of let them go. And then my my community actually gets better.
2: Well, and we as
0: a community have a duty
2: to share best practices and, 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 and inspire. Right. And that's where I'm really taking my cues from is that I want to be a part of, I, I believe that people have a misconception of CrossFit. I believe they think it's dangerous. It's going to hurt you, blah, 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 blah. You guys have heard them a hundred times. I want to contribute to breaking down that misconception and not supporting it. And that is one of the major reasons why we want to affiliate with CrossFit because we have a a shared vision that we believe NC Fit and CrossFit have a shared vision on, on impacting members' lives. And if a piece of that for me can be having more opportunities to share, like on this podcast with owners for them just to kind of take a deep breath and say to themselves like, Hey, am I treating this like a business or am I treating this like a hobby? And where do I want to be five years from now? And, and just having the real talk with themselves, I think is really important. And that's not to say they're not anti, they're not anti-crossfit. They're not anti-quality on the floor. They're just pro sustainability. And how do we get there? You know,
0: the uh, I wanted to kind of bring it up because I would be curious to hear Jay's thoughts on it. But I, I kind of voiced you, we were talking about the money thing, and I, and I agree with you, we should talk about it more because it's kind of the crux of all of it, and you can't run a business without it. But I kind of explained to you, I'm like, what, like, where did this start? And and I kind of want to put it on here on the podcast because I think where it started was for those of you that, that don't remember, like, Coach Glassman did a talk when he was talking about, like, hey, if you pursue excellence rather than the money then that would be the endeavor that you should be chasing. And what I, I, I think, because I think about this a lot, like why, like why is the, why are the overwhelming amount of business owners in the CrossFit space averse to the conversation about money? Like almost like to a visceral extent. And I, yeah. and I think it stems from that. And I think there was something unintentional, like his talk was spot on but I think there was misinterpretation and the the misinterpretation I think was that he was saying that you should only pursue excellence and not money. Not that if by pursuing excellence, that would then give you money to then pursue excellence at a different level. And that's where I think there's kind of been like, I would even call it like a weird mind virus. It's just like, they're just like, no, no, it's just excellence and no money. I'm like, well, you can't do, you can't do them independently of each other. Right. If you're going to run a business per se. Yeah. Right. Um, And I just, I think about that a lot. I'm like, how do we, how do we reframe that or kill that idea that it's, that it's, that it's excellence in the absence of all other things. Cause that's just not realistic.
2: Well, I think the way it started was the antithesis of the, of the globo gym, right? So you had the conventional gym, which I started at selling gym memberships. And it was all about monthly EFT sales, you know, manager special, you name it. I think CrossFit came out. and was like, Hey, we are not that right. We're about coaching. We're about excellence. We're about community. And I think that there was like a, a, a polarized side each way, right? Like you're either, you're either in or you're out. And I I think that over time, um, it's gotten better, but I still don't think it's, it's, it's good. You know, I remember it's so funny when I opened my second location for the first time, I just remember this guy, he, he sees me at a seminar I was teaching. He's like, he's like, Hey man, I think he says, like, how does it feel to sell out? And it just really bothered me. Like really got underneath my skin. Cause I'm like, dude, who's selling out? We're impacting hundreds of members or whatever it was at the time, having X amount of team members getting paid their full-time salary from this and able to contribute to charitable things that we believe in. So where's the problem here? I just didn't get it. And I think that was just the culture back then, but I think it's gotten better. And I think conversations like this will continue to, to further the discussion that just because you're talking about sales and a and doesn't make you anti, uh, super impactful on the floor, changing lives as your key mission. It's just, you can't change lives and, and whatnot, unless you're also paying attention to your P and L. They just don't work that way. How many well, great <laughs> have you met that are world-class that go out of business because they, they cannot operate anymore?
0: Well, I think this is, uh, you know, if I was to, for whatever reason, like we take, the, we take the CrossFit Games athletes and we just like, we stick them to the top. They're just like, boom, look at these people. And for whatever reason, we've, we've not, collectively as a community, we've not done that with the affiliate owners to show people like, this is it. Like, this is how it can be done. Because simply by exposing people to that idea, like, you know, like exposing people to like what you guys are doing at NCFIT, think David Osorio, like people that are really, really doing it well, thinking about like, there's just people out there that just don't know that that is something that can be done right so i think crossfit we collectively have done a bad job of like taking some of these people who who fit the mold right they're not just about making money they're like hey listen i'm super passionate about this thing and i happen to do the business thing really really well and by the way yeah you can you know do a million dollars out of a crossfit gym and the owner can take you know six figures out of there like we've we need to put those people up front and be like yo it's doable because what will happen by doing that is just like in crossfit Naturally, people will chase them. But right now, people don't think it's a thing. But yeah, there's no leaderboard no leader right. for the business side, right? Right. But I think there's sh- – not. I mean, I've read it as like show their P&L, but there- we should yeah. be putting those yeah. people up front for inspirational purposes to, to break people's thoughts about, oh, like, oh, I can't do this for a living. No, no, you absolutely can. And I can think of no better profession, quite frankly.
1: Well, you know I have the idea of the CrossFit Hall of Fame firm. There is going to be an affiliate owner wing. So Jason, you might be in both wings. You actually you would actually qualify for all three wings. There's affiliate owner, there's uh coaching wing, which you would qualify, seven R staff, and then there's the games wing.
2: You is might this, is is this on your is this just something on your mind or have you actually pitched it to CrossFit?
1: I've pitched it to Austin. He's denied it a couple of times. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I do think, you know, if there were... Mostly,
0: you know, Austin, Austin denied it because Jay was the primary candidate. He was like, I would like to nominate myself. I role actually role said role.
1: in the pitch, I'm not nominating myself here, although I'd be a good <laughs> candidate. However, I think there should be, you know, it would show people, like, these are affiliate owners, and, and not just financially, right? That's one aspect, but it could be like... You know, remember, we did Cross It for Hope all those years. Like, hey, this affiliate owner raised X amount of money. There's, you know, lots of ways to get there. And, you know, going back to your question, and I think you touched on it too, Jason. Is I think a lot of this stems from, because I was thinking about it, as you said, it's like personal training, like it's a pretty low barrier career. And I think for that reason, people undervalue themselves as, in the profession. And it's one where it's like, well, I want to get you as a client. So I'll charge less than that guy. We're going back to what you said, if we all just leveled up, we can all charge more. And yeah, if you, you know, my first was like Ace or AFA, and it was so easy to accumulate credentials. But now CrossFit showed you, hey, level three, level four, like those are legitimate certifications that are very hard to get to. So yeah. you should value yourself more. And and by doing that, you know, I think I think affiliate owners as a whole would recognize what we're doing for people. Like we're you pay your doctors
2: this, meanwhile, we're preventing you from going to your doctor. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think we need to have an abundance mindset. I, I think that as an industry, we need to stop trying to stifle or hold people back or have this scarcity mindset. That is the mindset of the past and not the future. We we cannot have this like if you're coming up with different ideas, you can't be like excommunicated from the CrossFit community. It, it just does not work. We need to get more people off the couches and period like, you know, for your affiliate to, you know, it's so interesting. This, this scarcity mindset, I I just don't get it. Like abundance. We need everybody to be thriving because it's only going to be good for all of us. And if we could share this information and, and encourage the affiliates in our neighborhood to perform better, it's going to be good for everybody. I mean, how many, a question you got to ask yourself is how many members your gym need to thrive? Let's just call it I don't know, depending on location, price, whatever, somewhere between three and 700 members. Okay. Let's just, let's just say that's in a typical area, especially if you need to have six, 700, the density of population is probably higher. Like for one of our locations, the density is higher than other, whatever. I mean, dude, there's hundreds of thousands of people in your right. neighborhood. So why are right. we like, why are we not trying to rise, rise the tides of our local affiliate community? Because The the enemy is not the other CrossFit down the street. The enemy is all these people that are intimidated or or the couch that's comfortable. We have to go get access to them. And the only way we're going to do that is as an entire ecosystem, sharing best practices and encouraging each other to get better. And I'm a big believer in that. You know, I think we've been there for the athletes. I think we've been there for the coaches. I don't think we've been there from a business perspective. I think it's been... (laughs) faux pas to talk about, I don't even know. Well, that's that's
0: literally, I was just going to say all of the things that everybody just like, this is the greatest community, like just like the community, the games, the training with the other athletes, like all of those things, there is an abrupt stop when you move into the business world. Like, no, no, those things are not, those are all of those are bad. Now we don't, (laughs) they're bad. I'm like, why can't we just bring them over here? Like if, 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 if two CrossFit gyms within a mile, two miles of each other are crushing and they say they have 200 members, well, that's 200 people. In each facility that are probably going to tell many, many other people, and at which point those two CrossFit gyms should grow. right? There, there's, like you said, like there's, there's no shortage there. But it is funny that all of the things that we're so proud of in the CrossFit community, they abruptly die when you move into the business aspect of this whole CrossFit thing. They're like, nope, I, no, none of those things are uh, are on the table anymore. And I'm like, that's yeah. uh, it's just I an interesting dynamic. Off-
2: I mean, here's a great thing for a gym owner to think about the word virtuosity, right? Doing the, un, doing the common uncommonly well, let's just say, right? right. Oh, we're all about virtuosity. Okay. I get it. Right. You want to have a kick-ass squat. You want to be a coach like a champ. I dude, I get it. Um, <laughs> like I just came back from that Saturday summit and I was talking to Jesse Burdick about my deadlift position and, and I'm, I'm like, dude, I want to improve my deadlift position. However, where does that conversation? why does it stop with business? Like, I want to be uncommonly good at my friend desk procedures, our coaching development platforms, our, our sales and marketing approach in terms of how we greet new members. And, and I want to be uncommonly good at those things. I want someone to come in and be like, dude, from the moment I came to the moment I left, every piece of that was uncommonly good, you know?
0: Uh, No, I agree with you. And that's, that's where, and I love the fact that you're using those analogies because like people in the CrossFit space get that. Now, here's what I'll tell you. It's hard, right? Like CrossFitters have no problem with physical pain, but sometimes like the, sometimes the educational piece of that. And I'm like, oh, that's, those things are not fun right. To like look through and workflow and be like, all right, I'm going to need to figure out how to make an ebook. And then like, I'm going to have to put this email together and I need to evaluate this person on their sales console because they use the wrong verbiage. And I'm like that, those things are not fun, not
1: fun and not immediately measurable. Like your deadlift goes up five pounds. I see it. Right.
0: Right. And I, and, but I think, It's just like anything else. Like, I I have taught myself to embrace those things because I'm like, this will be fun when we start crushing it on sales, when we hit this, when we get to certain revenue marks and I can give the team a raise, when we can, you know, expand what we're doing and buy more equipment or whatever we're going to do. And I'm like, all of those things are fun. And I just have to be dedicated. I'm like, listen, I'm going to have to learn and do some stuff that's not super fun, that's not sexy, and stand in front of this computer for four hours and do stuff that I don't want to do. It's like doing mobility, right? I don't want to do that. But if you want to go to the games, like, guess what? You got to do a little bit of stretching and foam rolling, you know?
2: Yeah. And the thing about businesses, is it's not immediate gratification. That is difficult. It is a hundred percent. And, you know, something I ask myself all the time, are, are we, you know, am I doing the best I can today as a husband, father, business owner? Are we doing, are we reaching our potential as a business? And if every day we make small strides to improve, like holding in my hand right now is, um, an employee survey. You probably can't see it. Yeah, an employee, yeah. Oh yeah. is an employee survey that we just got back. Dude, we had 24 people fill this out, which is not everybody, but 24 decent sample size. And we haven't put one of these out. I don't think ever. Like that's a good example of an area where, man, why hadn't we thought about that? But you know what? Now we did. And we're going to be able to utilize this data for the future. And we're not going to be able to fix things overnight. Right. If there's a, if there's, you know, big concerns, but we'll take strides in that direction. I think our team will pick up on it. Our culture will improve as an example. And we're going to see the fruit of this, um, survey six months from now, you know? Right. Um, and I have endless examples of all that kind of stuff. I'm just using this. This is just sitting here right next to me. So I thought I'd bring it up.
0: Well, no, I think that's an example of, of things that people kind of shy away from. And I, I think, cause I used to be resistant to this. I, I think people are resistant because, Putting this kind of structure, because business requires like a lot of structure, right? I don't like I don't care how you feel about structure, but like if you're going to run a really well oiled machine, like structure is the name of the game. And I think because of the way w- where CrossFit was born from, it was like, you know, Dungy and it was like counterculture. People are like, no, 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 structure doesn't happen here. And I think we should embrace that because like, no, 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 structure allows you to go fast. Structure allows you to move really, really efficiently. And that's what you want to do. But you're going to have to slow down on the front end to like learn some new skill sets and do things that you don't like to do.
2: Yeah. You know, I, I think as a whole, you know, an area that we're going to, there's so many ways we can lean into for the CrossFit community. Um, I think that at the end of the day, small steps in the right direction towards improving your business by, you know, answering your phone, answering emails, stuff like that. I just feel like if at this point you're not doing those things, you're, you're missing out on your potential. Like- There's so much potential. There's so much room in the tank. Like, if your goal is 100 members, your goal should be to impact 200 members' lives, and you could do it if if you just streamline a few things. You know,
0: what what's uh, when you think about CrossFit affiliates? Like, I have this weird, like, maybe it's maybe it's like overzealous, but like I truly believe that the vast majority of Crossfits rolling around can and should have 400 members.
2: Yeah, I think they should strive for. 100 members per every thousand square feet of, of of operating space that's 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 our target here at nc fit so um the location i'm in right now has uh well we have an upstairs office which is where i'm at but it's i think it's it's 5,000. so it's 2500 per gym floor so our goal here would be to have 500 active 500. members now we have two types of memberships here at nc fit and we've we've tried everything but right now what we have is and i'm open for this I don't even know if it's called a debate, but a discussion. We have um, a class pack, so punch cards. We have a three visits for thirty dollars, which is our our entry point. If someone just wants to try us out, that's a one time use. We have a you know single drop in, five drop in, and ten drop in. That's it, right? The punch cards, and then we have a month to month unlimited membership, and that's all we have. We don't have any paid in fulls. We don't have any contracts for a variety of reasons. Um, but we'd like to see. Um, between monthly reoccurring and a few drop-ins, you know, punch cards, we want to see those numbers, preferably all monthly reoccurring, but that's the target. So
0: So that's interesting, right? So like the, with regard to like the, some of those designs, and I think, I think there's also a misconception about how I feel personally about some of those um, types of memberships. I think they can be used effectively in certain instances, right? So I, I would actually like to take a chance a second here to like clarify for the record we don't typically teach people to sell limited type memberships now the reason is not because limited memberships uh like as a whole are poor i do think they have some pitfalls but let's just put that to the side the reason i think that for most gyms they are poor is because what will The outcome of selling them prior to having other things in place like good sales processes, good retention practices is an exceedingly high churn rate, Mm, at which point it creates a panic with regard to the business. But I'm not against those things. If they are designed, sold and managed appropriately and ultimately they drive the business forward, then I'm like, yeah, do it. I don't care. So yeah. like, like, how do you guys use them? Like in, well, in within, mean, so at least current
2: currently, you know, and we're just going to be rolling out nutrition here, which I think is going to be a really, I'd love to come back on. We could talk about this in two months. We have not spoken about nutrition in our gym for 15 years. We, we are just gonna roll it out. So are I, we. I think that we could, um, uh, once we get it going, I'll, I'll share with you potentially real revenue numbers. If you guys actually want to hear about it. Um, but right now it's a little bit premature. Um, we're launching it next month. Anyways, um, the reason why I think the three for 30 and the month to month works for us is that we have a strong sales team with a, like a, a, a very, we have a very good structure in place for when someone inquires about something, we engage with them, we bring them in the gym and the, we have 10 minute breaks in between our classes so that the coach has a further opportunity to engage with new members and current members that I think helps. We have a friend desk staff, 24 hour or anytime we're open. So those are two things that we have that a lot of gyms don't have. We have someone specifically designed for sales. We have a front desk person. We have 10 minute gaps. Each of those things adds to more touch points that I think helps us convert those, those three for 30s or drop in passes better.
0: Well, so that logically put together is like, I would, I'm open to that discussion now, but typically when they're used and you know working with hundreds of gyms, people are, they're they're using them because they're like, well, it's a lower price point, so they're more likely to buy. And I'm like, that's the wrong reason to sell something like that, right? That's where I typically see them use and and not, a, not even effectively, right? Because now I brought somebody in a lower price point and they have low retention. And I'm like, you just, it's a double whammy and it's not good for you. Yeah. you have an on-ramp, Jason?
2: Uh, we do not. So um, we have tried everything in the book. Um, we offer a complimentary PT session. So and by the way, I wanna caveat everything I say with, I am not steadfast on, we have tried everything, this is where we're currently at. Just like our affiliation with CrossFit, right? Like Meaning like, we were affiliated for a long time, we thought it was in the best interest of where we wanted to go to not be, and now we believe that we, we, it's in our best interest of everybody to be back in. When it comes to the on-ramp, um, we've tried it. Now we're stuck with, or not stuck with, I shouldn't say that, we've came to the conclusion of, which is an um, introductory complimentary PT session, right? So that we could really, we could, we drive PT sales, potentially we could, uh, really touch point with someone one-on-one, but it's an optional one-on-one PT session that people can take or not take. It's up to them. Um, that's where we're currently at instead of the on-ramp. And I think it's served us well. I also think that our coaching team is pretty senior right now and we cap our classes at 18. So I believe that they could address the new athletes pretty well at that size. So for those reasons, we do not have an on-ramp that is
1: Have the staff, like
2: you said, you have a senior staff, I can right. handle 18 people If those two. It's their first time. That's right. And I, I wouldn't necessarily be saying that if we had a, you know, entry level team, but I, I believe that our team has all been on the floor for years and they're really talented. One other thing that we implemented, and I just, I'll just throw this out to you guys. We added a initiation fee and I, it, it, it didn't sit a hundred percent with me, but it had a reason. We increased everybody's rates at our gym to 226. There is no exception, meaning the price is the price, the price, whether you signed up today, you signed up a year ago or a month ago or or 10 years ago. And so that was a whole learning experience in regards to raising legacy pricing, which we could talk about. But what we were seeing was that people can enroll for a month, cancel for a month, enroll for a month because there is no benefit. They're, They're just, it's 226. So we put this initiation fee as kind of like a way to kind of stop that. But at the heart of it, our goal was just to kind of have people just you know, we wanted to see retention. So now when people sign up, we ask them to do a three month commitment. And if during those three months or we have a money back guarantee. So if in the first month you come in 12 times or more and you're not satisfied, we refund all your money. So if we have a three month commitment. But if in the first month you come in 12 times or more, so you got to put your money where your mouth is like, you got to come in. And if you're not satisfied, we'll refund you. That's been pretty well received. I just wanted to share that with the group here. These are things we're doing.
0: We, we actually just implemented something very similar with the money back guarantee. Cause I also kind of wanted to put our feet to the fire. I'm like, we have to deliver. And if somebody wants their money back, it better be because we under delivered. Right. Like in, at which point I'm happy to give you your money back. Right. But like we need to have some sort of skin in the game. There can't just be like, oh, we're good. Like pat ourselves on the back. But like, no, no. Like they need to feel like they got what they came here to, uh, and paid for with that initiation fee. Are you saying that like so let's just say I come in and I join just I'm trying to envision the mechanics here and then I cancel and then I come back. Every time I do that, I have to pay the initiation fee.
2: Well, so that's gone now, but when okay. it was in place, it was, Hey, $49 this year. you know, one-time enrollment fee. It comes with a, a t-shirt. It comes with a welcome pack, et cetera, et cetera. Now we remove that. Um, and we, we just have a three month commitment, but you still get your welcome pack and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, so we have like a welcome, I mean, it's over there. I could, I can go grab it, but it's just a welcome pack for new members. Um, so that's what we we've landed. What's, on it, what's
0: it include again? So like a t-shirt, it, it and includes
2: then... a, a new member t-shirt. Um, a water bottle, like a shaker bottle, um, some, some NC fit stickers and, and maybe a notebook. That's about it. It's just, it's just a really like custom box to let them feel the love, like welcome. You know, we're trying to build fans. We want people wearing our merchandise. We want them to be ingrained.
0: Yeah. We have something very similar. And I I like, and I think there's a misconception that cost wise, like you got to do some homework here, but you could get away with that whole box for probably under 25 bucks.
2: That's right. You can. And you know, if your average lifetime value of a member is, let's just say a thousand dollars, whatever it is, right. It's worth it for you to spend the 25 to have them feel deeper ingrained in your community earlier on.
0: And there's ways to pass that cost off by the way. Like if you're doing an onboarding, like factor that cost into how you do all of that, like thinking business wise, like you shouldn't just eat at the cost. Get a a sponsor from
1: a local coffee shop that's willing to do it and throw in a coffee coupon in there and they get more clients.
0: Yeah, Let me ask you this uh, real quick. Sorry. How often are you, we get this question a lot, right? And it's just thinking about affiliate owners in general and it, cause I'm very curious. I have a have an idea, but like, how often are you meeting or working with your staff on any aspect? So not just coaching, but on the business side of the affiliate as well.
2: So we have, um, I mean, the easy answer is every day, but the, okay. the real, answer that's
0: what I thought you were going to say. Yeah.
2: So, we have Monday morning meetings with um, our staff that works across the organization. So we have our designers on there, our corporate wellness on there, our brick and mortar on there, our digital side on there. And we go over on our Monday meetings. What are our goals and intentions for the week? Where, what, what is our focus for this week? Every Monday, we have leadership meetings once a week, which is with a few of us to discuss high level things that the business is going on. Those are reoccurring weekly meetings that happen every single week. I have a once a week meeting to review the final programming before it goes out for the NC fit collective. So the way that we do this for the collective is that, um, we have a, a group of people that create like the one year quarterly monthly plan, whatever. Then we do a week's worth of programming after that week's worth of programming is reviewed. It's then reviewed. It's created. It's reviewed with four people after it's reviewed. I review it one more time with one person in a set aside meeting each week. And then after that, we go test each workout we curate a session plan and then we go film the videos. It's super in depth. So every week I have those reoccurring. Plus I have a new reoccurring meeting that I'm just adding, which is with a, um, like a business coach of mine, like a mindset business coach. It's something that I'm just starting. Um, and it's the same gentleman that I used when I was competing in CrossFit. Similarly, I'm going to pull him in to help me, um, from a leadership perspective, be better at what I'm doing. So those are, those are examples of some of the things that we're currently doing, but there's endless meetings that happen outside of me.
0: Right. Right. I was just curious because I, I think what I misunderstood and got wrong for a long time was the, the volume of engagement. And I still think I fall short, quite frankly, the volume of engagement with the staff in order to drive the business forward. Like it's just never ending. Yeah. Cause they want to be inspired by you as a leader
2: and you know, Oh, so I should have mentioned this. I'm sorry. Um, every Tuesday at nine 30, we do, we call them bro sessions. You can call it whatever you want, but we invite all of our staff there to go test workouts that are coming up in the future for the NC fit collective. So, you know, that's a real, that's been probably, I'd say the number one thing we've done at culture at NC fit in the last year, five years has been reinstating those workouts because it gives an opportunity for us to really connect on a personal note across something we really feel love instead of being so business focused so that's been really well received for our staff if you're not doing that as a gym owner i'd highly recommend it
0: yes yeah, so the question it that with all staff uh full-time coaches part-time coaches and front desk staff
2: so the answer is um omar good question but i think that for me i just want to make sure that i i, I answer this appropriately our business is slightly different scale than a typical one location brick and mortar. So for us, because we do have a diversified revenue streams of different teams with people underneath them, I meet on a reoccurring basis with um, people who oversee those different departments. Um, and then I see people in the gym, so I'm here all the time. Um, so full-time coaches, part-time coaches, and front desk, staff, they have separate meetings that are offline from what I'm referring to. I do not have meetings with that group every single week. I have meetings with them on a, you know, uh, once a month basis when we have what's called our monthly performance review for our locations, our NPR, all of our staff are invited to them where we review our financials and our, our position for that month.
0: But then you probably have your different kind of department heads or whatever you call them that are meeting with those staff That's on right. a regular. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's what yeah, yeah.
2: That's why I just want to caveat that because I, I want to make sure that these are actionable items that I'm sharing with the team, that if you are an owner operator and you have five people on your team. I don't think there's anything wrong with having a once a week meeting where you level set on the goals and expectations for that week. I'm doing that just at a slightly higher level and then it gets disseminated and, and works through on a monthly basis. We do the monthly performance review.
0: Got it. Okay. Yeah. The, Cause the meeting thing becomes an overwhelming concept for a lot of kind of one man band scenarios. They're like, I got to do this and I got to do meetings. And I'm like, you don't have to you also don't have to drive the business forward. In some instances, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to put in that time, like there's no other way to get other people on board. And like coming from a guy who fundamentally despises meetings, I go to a lot of meetings, because that's how we keep everybody marching to the to the beat of the same drum. And it's my responsibility as a leader to be like, yo, we have to review these metrics. And we have to talk about what whatever is broken in the machine, whether it's the lead flow is dropping off or conversion rate or show rate, or like the the coach evals are not getting done or social media sucks or like whatever. Like we got to talk about it. We have to talk about all of it and it's going to be painful for some people. But I'm like, that's the only way we improve any of this because we have to reset what the expectation is. And if again, going back to your statement earlier, we're trying to do all of them well i'm not trying to just have great coaches and run a crap business i'm also just i'm not trying to just like have the world's most awesome social media but there's no actual back end to that and it doesn't turn it doesn't turn the, the the knob on the business like all of those things should be built together and trying to put them all together and it listen i you probably know about anybody like it's not easy
2: no and that's why on our mpr it's so important that if you don't quantify your measurable results How do you you build against something you can't measure? So like if I say, oh, what's your, you know, how many cancellations do you have this month? And you're like, I don't know. Well, okay. What's your retention rate look like? I don't know. Well, that's a good place to start because it might be bad and you might not even want to address it. It might be scary. And I get it. Like I've been there. But if you can't quantify it, how can you make conscious improvements? Like how many new leads are you getting? So on our monthly morning calls, for example, we're getting updates on how many cancellations, how many updates on and on our NPR, we track all that stuff. So if you're a gym owner out there, you know, like, and you're not having a monthly performance review, you know, an easy way to do it is just like looking at cancellations for the month, looking at new enrollments, looking at a few different factors and seeing what's going on and, and managing your, your p and towards that. So, you know, if, you can, if you're not quantifying it, how can you grow it? Right. It's just like your PRs or whatever it is.
0: Right. It's, it's that's the it's no different than training, like all the analogies come back to training. And I th- th- I mean, just so that like, I, I agree with like, start with something simple, start with something simple that you know, would move the needle in the businesses like, okay, lead, leads or conversions, and then cancellations or holds and like, just measure those two for like a couple months. But then you need to get into other things, which is like, hey, what's our, what is our percentage of contact, like meaningful contact with the overall member base on a weekly basis? Like, is it 50%? Is it zero? Like what, at what frequency are we communing, communicating with people on like relevant and relative information? Or or are we just having an automated email that goes out, Be like, Hey, I haven't seen you in a week yesterday, you know? And you're like, I was here yesterday, dude. And you're like, Oh, so people aren't checking in and all of this is broken, you know? So I think people
1: here in this, Jason will easily jump to the conclusion. I'm like, well, this is Jason Kalipa 2008 CrossFit Games and he's in California. What are some of the daily obstacles you still have as an affiliate owner that, you know, affiliate owners around the world will, w- would resonate with?
2: I think just the leadership side is tough. Um, whether you have one employee, five 50 or a hundred, you know, being a leader is not easy and I'm not trying to like make this into some sob story. I'm just calling it like it is like Sometimes in an affiliate owner, you feel like you're on an island. Sometimes you're, you feel alone. And I think what's really important is recognizing that you don't need to be perfect as a leader, right? But as a leader, you need to be humble. You need to think about your team and what's in the best interest of your business, your team, and how you reach your potential. And those are things that I struggle with on a regular basis. And that's why, you know, I'm, 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 getting a new leadership. You know, uh, I, I do things for leadership in terms of, reading and exploring and and meeting with different people. But now I'm going to have a weekly cadence to help me. So those are things that I struggle with because I want to have, I have a clear vision of where I want to go. I just need to do a better job of articulating it to our team. And so those are things I struggle with. In addition, I think if you're listening like me being a CrossFit games champion competing eight times, like they do nothing for our business. Meaning like, yeah, it's cool. Don't get me wrong. It's great. It's great. It's not a terrible thing, but our members come in because they like the culture, they like our they like our attention and detail, and they like our coaches. They are not coming in here because I won the CrossFit Games 10 years ago, whatever it is. And I think that I don't have some um, giant leg up on anybody else listening here. I just have, we have a phenomenal team, but that team came from investing back into them. And so if you're on the fence on bringing people on your team, Dude, you got to, you got to, if something's stressing you out as a gym owner and you're spending way too much time on it, you got to take that off your plate, trust other people to do a great job and pay them accordingly for that work. And over time, it'll just scale up and you'll, you'll develop a really great team. Um, you know, obviously programming is an example of that, but I don't want to make this a hard pitch for the collective, but I'm just saying like, if you're spending 10 hours a week programming for your gym, is that really the best use of your time? You could probably outsource it to a premium provider. Obviously, I think we are one of them. Um, and then you can go spend those 10 hours doing other things to grow your business and generating revenue. And with that revenue, you could then go hire really good coaches. So you don't have this revolving door system where someone comes in, you work hella hard to get them in. You are you have a shitty experience and they leave and they never come back, right? Those are examples.
1: I, I love it. You know, on, on the program and Cody, will you share the link in the, Comments. If anyone does want to learn more about the NC Collective, I've done your programming
2: for. Seamless pitch. pitch. Yeah,
1: but I mean, it's it's great stuff. We do it at the at the local affiliate here. You've you've put out some pretty cool standards. I like they're up there with the girls, right? Like as some of the the classics. I I have mine already, but what's your favorite NC Collective
2: benchmark workout? Um. Well, I mean, for me. this is a tough one. So we have one called Cali bear that I like just because that's the one I was going to say every 30 seconds. Yeah. It's a clean and jerk at two twenty five. It was just something I did for a while. I'm
0: going to get Um, one rep,
2: (laughs) but yeah, but I think my favorite, like this is going to sound like super biased, obviously, but you know, every year I do a workout for my daughter for her birthday. And that's probably my favorite. We turn into a 21 minute AMRAP but it's really supposed to be around for every year she's born. And so, but a 21 minute AMRAP, I thought it's great. It's called Ava, it's 400 meter run, 21 ground overhead at 95 pounds. And it's supposed to be at around per year she's born, but, uh, for the affiliate model, it's 21 minute AMRAP. That's
1: cool. Yeah, I, I, Bear is one of my go-to standards, but I'm just like, I don't, you know, and I'm working towards 225, but it's cool because now I see like, can I get up there? Like, can I, can I approach that number? So it's, it's, it's a
2: really fun one for me. I like it. I need to show I, can, you guys our, our app, our, our new app just dropped in January. And it's pretty, pretty, pretty awesome.
0: Cody, can you pull that up while you're doing that? I want to pull these two questions up here, Jason, if I can Or actually pull up this one. So, cause this is something that comes up quite a bit. So this is from Austin. How do you incentivize coaches converting more people to memberships? Um, and it says that could, because the pay is way worse at CrossFit than orange theory. So Like, could you address that in some way, shape or form if you're, if you're comfortable with it?
2: I mean, I think that's a fundamental, what Austin's saying here is a a big problem because the standard set by CrossFit is like 20 bucks a class. Let's just say standard or or not even a a payment, actually just a trade-off for membership. And we have to get that standard up. We have to, um, you know, orange theory f 45, let's just, say they're paying their trainers 50, $60 a class on the low end. Um, we, we have to, we have to. Encourage that, but you cannot pay that unless you're running a sustainable business from the get go. And so it's like it, what it happens the chicken or the egg. So, what happens is if you, if you, if you, let's just say you're a gym owner out there, you're like, Hey, I got to go on vacation with my wife. Can you cover a class on Saturday? All of a sudden, you have a new person come in on Saturday. They have a shitty experience because some random coach that's actually a software engineer is just covering your class. That's not helping your business grow. And so, you can't expect your business to thrive if you're putting people in places to allow it to thrive. That, that don't even treat this like a business. They treat it like it's just a Saturday fun hobby for them. You know, they, and, and so I think the first step for affiliate owner is I need to pay people what I believe their service is worth. And in the long run, I do believe it'll work out best for them. So if, if, if we could pay them 40 bucks a class, 50 bucks a class, I think you should, and you should, and you should require the best possible class ever and if it's not there, you should go identify a different coach because you can support them with a higher pay rate. Is I guess the there's, answer I'm looking for.
0: Well, there's probably some people that just threw up in their mouth when you throw those numbers out there, but I think it's it's some of it is contextualized. But I agree with you. Meaning, like Orange Theory, that is a franchise, right? So there's a there's a lot of behind the scenes like stuff that's happening there in order to facilitate that, it, you know, paying. But the takeaway there is not that Orange Theory is bad or that franchises are bad. The takeaway there is that structure and somebody who's treating an entity like a business is how you pay somebody 50 to $60 per hour. (laughs) Dude.
2: So I'm sorry. I could keep talking to you guys for hours about this because here's just, just think about this on a high level, right? If you, um, if, if you are someone who's interested in fitness, you're super passionate about fitness. Let's just say you found CrossFit Orange Theory and F45 at the same time. Let's just say, and you prefer CrossFit When you're doing your due diligence to identify which one has a a better business model, even as a coach, which one do you pursue? Well, there's data out there on OTF F45. We need to get the data out there for CrossFit to show people that with a low barrier to entry and with a minimal investment, they could generate X amount of revenue. And as a coach, make X amount said this way. When you have people that are actually interested from a business side, not just passion and CrossFit changed my life, but there's actually a business side from the get go. Super important to me to be able to show that trajectory. And I think the first step is we have to get the data and then um, share the data and be real about the data. Cause I imagine some of it isn't very uh, awesome right now.
0: Well, no, it's probably not. I mean, just, I could just speak to my own, you know, history as a box owner, like the vast majority of it is hot garbage, (laughs) right? I was just like, I was doing it part-time. I didn't know I was doing. And then you slowly start to figure it out out of necessity. Mind you, I ran it part-time for seven, eight years probably. And then I'm like, Oh, if I'm going to really scale this up and I'm going to make it something, I'm going to have to start treating it very differently. Like with regard to the expectation on the floor, how I treat my, my members, all that stuff. And I think it's okay. I, and I, I think we should, we should also, it's okay. If things are not going well, like in some instances, like how else would they go? All things considered, like they would, they, they would only go poor. If you've made it out at this point, it was surely due to sheer will. Quite frankly, yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. Like, and I think it's okay, but if we start having that conversation, I think people would be more open to like, okay, cool. I'm not doing it well. How could I do it better? Because that conversation is not happening enough.
2: Yeah, and Austin, to to feeding, you know, you wrote, I haven't seen any CrossFit gym where I can make what I make at OTF, and you could be right. Um, I, I mean, I'd be, I could have this conversation with you offline and share with you a few of the things over here. I'm more than happy to share that with you. But for example. Our team, now our business is a little bit different, but you know, the way we build it up is that a full-time coach is, is anything that's 30 hours a, uh, a week or more. And with 30 hours a week or more, you get 401k, you get health benefits, you get all that kind of stuff. And we break that down to 20 hours of coaching, more or less, plus some, um, administrative side that could be writing session plans and briefs for the collective or working the front desk. That's the way we do it. Um, that's a example of the way we do it. We also have some other people that do different things, but like those are things that I think a CrossFit gym could get to over time as, as far as like compensation structure, if they're work, you're working with the owner to try and figure out a sustainable model long-term. So I do think it's possible. It's just a little bit of a different model than OTF and others, where maybe they're more like a coach comes in, gets paid 50, 60, 70 bucks a class. Boom, they're out. This one's a little bit more like a more of like a full-time gig. I
0: think, yeah. And that's where I was going to go with that is like, you, you have to, sometimes you have to, particularly when you're, when things are tight, you have to get a little bit more creative with how you design pay structures. But those are like these, you know, when Nick is just like, Hey, as like, I've never seen close to 50, 35 is the highest I've ever had that if you're just talking about just class, but if you're talking about like overall compensation, those, those, that's not hard to do now. Okay. Let me reverse that statement. It can be hard to do. It's not complex is what I would tell you. Right, But yes, it is hard to do in some instances, but you have to understand it can be done and that can be done with a, you know, with a mixture of you know some sort of base salary or if they're doing PT. When you add all of that together and you look at their overall hourly compensation, it could be way higher than that in some instances, um, but it is doable. And those are the conversations that we need to have because if we want the overall, because I, I forget who I was talking to about this, somebody at HQ and they're like, well, how do we grow affiliates? I'm like, number one, or so how do we grow the the, the the greater CrossFit community? I'm like, number one, first and foremost, affiliates have to grow, right? If you can't do that, everything else is off the table. It literally doesn't matter, right? Affiliates first. And they're like, well, how do we make careers? Because the question was like, how do we make careers? How do we get more people to climb the the, the the ladder for level two, level three, level four, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, well, they have to have somewhere to go. Like, you cannot get people to climb this ladder if there is no outcome for this. Like, it's it's a, it's a it's a non-starter. Right. So if we want people to climb this, this credential ladder and they want to be seen as the best in the business, they have to have somewhere to go, which means the forefront of that, all roads need to go. Like, how do we, how do we get affiliates to do things better so that they're more successful so they can provide more opportunity and they can reach more people. Like it all comes back to the affiliates and that's what we all need to be thinking about. And anything that's going to lead affiliates down the right path of like virtuosity. How do I provide better coaching staff to have a better experience on the floor? And how do I provide more training inside of the affiliate to master every aspect of the affiliate, even the things that I don't like, that is how you answer that problem.
2: Well, and I think to to that note, right? Like it's really difficult as an owner. Um, I think it's really difficult as an owner to sit here and, and hear some of these things. You're probably just like, dude, I'm overwhelmed. I got so many things to work on just pick one like right. just pick one and you know like uh, and and so omar says you know do you pay your coaches more with higher certifications you know we have something called job leveling criteria here at NC fit and job leveling criteria is, is a list of things that we incorporate so that over time you could generate more money and it's not just certifications it's a variety of different things but at least we set that expectation up front this is your job description this is your roles and expectations, and this is the job-leveling criteria. If you choose to make more money, here, here you go. And, and that's that's an example. But I think the overall idea is if you're an owner, we have to get out of this mindset that if you, if you really believe you're providing a premium product, if you truly believe you're the best in the world, how can the best in the world be getting paid nothing for their service or $15 or $20? If they're really the best in the world, we need to compensate them for that. And long-term, it'll build back our business because as long as you're doing that, plus a bunch, you know, but take it one step at a time is I guess the point I'm trying to make.
0: Yeah, and that's and that's one of the things we work with people. They're, they're overwhelmed. And I'm like, no, nope, all that stuff can wait. Like the number of emails that I answer weekly, I'm like, I have this, 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 and this. And I'm like, nope, you have the first one on that list. And that's it. Don't worry about the other things because what's going to happen is you're going to do none of them. And I understand the overwhelm. Like it still happens to me on regular. Case. I'm like, God, I have me so too. much shit to do. I'm like, all right, I'm just, I'm going to do one. I'm going to make my list and I'm going to start chipping away at it. And by the end of the week, I'll be tired, but I'm like, I got it done. I got it done. I move the needle this week and that's all I need. I'm going to repeat next week.
2: Right. right. Yeah. I mean, it's an exciting time for the affiliate community though. Like I'll, I'll be my, this is my, my perspective is, there has never been a more exciting time in CrossFit than right now. And the reason for it is that we saw a lot of amazing growth a decade plus ago, whatever it was. And since then, there's been a lot of change in turmoil in CrossFit. And it's been difficult to differentiate between the methodology, the business, the games, et cetera. It's all one big ecosystem, but at times you might have been a part of one or the other. And now I believe with leadership, with the way that the corporation is structured, and with the desire to raise the bar for the future and the really long-term strategy has been laid out. We've never had that before. It's never been stated to me what the 10 year goal of CrossFit is. Don's going to be releasing that in two weeks. And he already announced it at the summit on Saturday. That alone will get tens of thousands of affiliates and people mar- you know, working in the same direction to get to this 30 million people doing CrossFit. And if that's truly our goal then we have to take our part, which is we need to continue to ask others and ourselves to raise the bar in our affiliates because it's only going to be good for the entire ecosystem to reach those goals together. And so if you're not excited about that direction, dude, I don't know what to tell you because if CrossFit changed your life, like it did mine, and now you're hearing these things, I mean, I'd be jumping up and down, you know?
0: (laughs) I I couldn't agree with you more. Like i It's been, but it fully, full disclosure. It's been a long three years, but I think we're there, (laughs) right? I mean, you're in California, you know better than anybody.
2: (laughs) It's been a long three years. (laughs) I mean,
1: that gets everybody fired up. Jason, now that you're back as an affiliate, you come back to
2: seminar staff? (laughs) So, you know, here's all I'll say about that. Um, I'm actually currently. I'm currently a level four that expires like in a month. So I got to figure out I'm taking a good place. If we need some coaching development hours, you can come up. And help you out. Um, I, I think that every owner, every individual needs to ask themselves, you know, you know, I might be passionate about something, but is that time best spent for my family and the other obligations that I have? I love teaching seminars. I love CrossFit. I, I would be honored to be a part of the seminar staff. I don't know if that would align with my goals in terms of balancing what I have to do as a husband and a father, and also building our business, and that's one of the reasons why I walked away in the first place from seminar staff is that I found myself on the weekends just unengaged because I was trying to. I had so much going on in our own business, and that's not fair to the participants or the product I'm trying to deliver. So I know you're just joking, but I think the reality would be I'd love to be a part of it, and maybe if we're hosting them here beyond the staff, but I just I wouldn't be able to make that travel commitment with everything else going on. And I want to give it my best shot because it's only the right thing to do for CrossFit. Good answer there.
1: Good answer. But
2: yeah, it'd be great to have you, you know, back on that staff when, when the time is right. Only if you're, you know, it makes sense for your life. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that if we could, I'd love to host them at our gym. The problem I have is that, you know, I I'm not prepared to put our members second. I'm not like I, I would have to figure out a way to make that work where our members don't feel like they're being displaced because we're hosting in a, a, a Uh, seminar. I I just, so we're working through that because we do have two rooms and we have some stuff, but that's important to me. And and on that note, can your members go to any of your locations with that member? Yeah. I mean, right now, so our brick and mortars have consolidated a little bit here in the Bay Area. We have our licensed locations and we have mutual relationships, obviously within them, but yeah, here in the Bay Area, you can go between the different sites. But not to someone that's affiliated with you, uh, but it's not one of your gyms. Um, I think that you, yeah, if you're, well, we have, so basically we have our collective, which we have many gyms that use our programs. Now that one, it's a little bit different, um, where they just get to utilize our tools and resources. Then we have ones that are actually branded NC fit and those ones, there'll be more reciprocal. Like, you know, tomorrow we're actually having nine of a uh, nine trainers come up from one of our locations in Southern California, which I'm excited to work with them on. Um, but those ones are more reciprocal, the collective, not as much. Will you keep doing that now that you're re-affiliating with CrossFit? Yeah, I actually think that it's actually um, even more exciting to me. So when we were first rolling out the license program, we rolled it out in a big way. And I learned a lot that process. My original goal was I want to support gym owners and I want to have consistency. It was really important to me. And we learned that after the first year, we didn't have that consistency that I wanted. So we reduced it down to nine license partners that have specific branding guidelines. So they look similar, they act similar, they have to follow the same programming-ish, right? In the future, I think that if people want to be doing CrossFit in their gym, but they want to do it at a level and have resources that are really, really high, in my opinion. Look clean, professional coaches, strive for success, et cetera, maybe they'd want a license with us and also license with CrossFit. We need to see how that blends over time.
0: That's cool. I think. That's cool.
2: That could work really well. It's like, Hey, we're, we're a, we're a specific niche within a niche, right? You have CrossFit and then you have this NC fit gyms that represent something. And to me, obviously they represent excellence and, and care. And, and I know a lot of affiliates would probably say the same thing, but they look similar, right? They, and if you're looking for graffiti on the walls, like the way we started, that's not where we're at today. We're having a more refined look. If that's something you like, let's talk about Partnership. If that's something you don't like, and you want to go the other route, maybe we're not for you all good. So earlier on, we, you know, we will wrap it up with that jujitsu talk. You said it's the CrossFit
1: season. Are you 35 now? I'm 37, dude. You're 37.
0: So are you, are you throwing your hat back in the ring for the making masters. A run games, in the dude? masters.
1: Yeah.
2: For, for, uh, for CrossFit or jujitsu. Oh, <laughs> Specifically for CrossFit. Um, I will be doing the open for the first time since, uh, 2016. Um, I'm still, um, working through the mindset for that. I think right now the mindset is I'm going to do it with the gym here on Friday nights. I'm going to go as hard as I possibly can. And I'm going to call it a day. That's what I think the mindset is. And after that, I imagine I'll qualify for quarterfinals and I'll probably do the same thing. And then if I qualify for semifinals, I think I'm done. I don't think I would <laughs> You would stop. So yeah, you must, you must have a good idea based on the last two. You, you probably did the open workouts. I've done, I, I did not do them last year. I think I might've done the year before. Um, would you, how far would you, do you think you would have made it? I don't know. I I, I don't want to speak out of line. I think that right now quarterfinals seem pretty straightforward. Um, qualifying for semifinals. There's just certain things I just haven't put in much time in. Like I don't do, you know, super heavy um, only lifts. I lift moderate, but I lift, you know, a lot. Um, I also don't have the leg stamina I used to have for high rep thrusters and things like that. So there's certain things that have fallen off for me, certain things I'm still good at. So we'll see. Um, but if so I call you still my,
0: got a little fitness in there.
2: Is it a guarantee I, for you to make the quarters also like it is
1: for uh, a over here?
0: Not even close. I'm just, I'm trying to make the, trying to make the leaderboard in my own affiliate at this point. I think it's like,
2: <laughs> I guess what I'm trying to say. I think it's likely.
1: <laughs> I think it is likely it is. It's it. That's the best part about watching this sport evolve, right? Like the 2008 champ. I mean, granted your life has changed and, and, and seeing that, like, the fitness is still there. However, is it still there to make it to that next level and next level? It's, you know, it's just an evolving sport. It's, it's no different than watching jujitsu, right? Like 2006,
2: there's no Gordon Ryan out there just wrecking lives. Dude, I roll with Gordon Ryan. That's a whole different beast. Uh, did you roll with him? Yeah, I've rolled with, I've rolled with, uh, quite a few guys that are really talented and him being one of them. Uh, Mason Fowler, my buddy actually just, uh, won his weight division in, um, IBJJF the Europe the European so that was pretty good um yeah I get to roll with a lot of fun p- good people like Tim Kennedy's a beast and and yeah actually guys I've
1: guys. seen that that you rolled with Tim. how'd you do against for so for and Gordon Ryan is
0: like no I know who he is I follow he him. he would be
1: better that. than like the best crossfitter better than that relative no to no
0: his. he's he's the goat at this point
1: yeah like oh, how'd good. you do against him <laughs>
2: <laughs> How do you think I did against them? I mean,
0: you'll the, the- hook immediately. You'll be like, all right, I'm out.
2: No, the thing about it was, is that um, because of the way I get introduced to these groups, I find that like, they don't look at me as a threat. Like I just kind of get introduced as like a friend of a friend. So no matter who I've rolled with from the, all the top level guys, they've always treated me with a lot of like respect and a lot of like, like, Hey, I'm trying to improve with you. Not like I'm trying to smash you. So the drills that him and I did together were from Mount. So I was on Mount and he was on Mount and we went back and forth for like 20 minutes. And then we did a little bit of other stuff. I mean, he basically toyed with me. Um, he probably used 20% of his ability and that's part of what's inspiring about jujitsu is that you can have a super big, strong guy. Um, but once they're with somebody who has some technical capacity, it's, 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 it's incredible what they could do with it. So he probably worked at a fraction of his ability, but he was super cool with me as a training partner. That's awesome to hear. That's a, does your daughter do jujitsu? Yeah. So, um, our rule at the house is sweat once a day. So this morning, um, every morning I go in the garage with my daughter at 615 every day. Um, we spend 15 minutes in there. That's like our go-to. And then on Sundays, uh, especially if I'm home, which I'm home a lot of Sundays now, um, except for, um, I'm actually retaking a level two this weekend. I want to explore. So I'm doing a level two this weekend. Um, you're taking, you're participating. I'm participating. Yeah, wow. they know ego here, bro. I'm trying to, I'm trying to
0: learn. I like, uh, I like it. I like
2: uh, it. But on Sundays, I try and do self-defense Sundays. And um, we spend about an hour or two in the garage working specific self-defense stuff. Because she's 11 going on 12. She's becoming more of like, you know, she's becoming a woman, right? And it's really important to me. So I do it with both the kids. We do stand-up and jujitsu. That's awesome. That's
0: cool. That's really cool. Well, well dude, this has been
2: Fantastic.
0: Yeah, I'm. I'm excited to see you back. Um, I just want to let you know. I think it's cool uh, to see somebody like you um, be able to kind of like change their mind because I don't think changing people's minds is something we see very often. And I think it's just cool to see for whatever reason doesn't even matter, but like having the humility or, or whatever, or just the, the introspection be like, Nope, I changed my thoughts on this. And I, and I am going to move back this other direction, um, I, I want to commend you on that. Cause I think it's really cool to see. And I think a lot of people should, should take notes on that. Dude. I
2: appreciate that. You know, I, I finished out the podcast. We do with Don that's releasing on Wednesday. Well, it depends when, when this is, well, no, this is live. This so is live, yeah.
0: this, is, yeah. this, is, this is it. This first one.
2: Yeah. And, um, I, I finished it off just like kind of giving gym owners like some some space to say like hey if you're feeling a certain way and if you want to realign with CrossFit like you should have your mission your your vision your core you know values and what you want to do as a company right let's just say whatever your gym is called but if you believe that aligning with CrossFit it, for me it's a bigger thing because I also want to help other affiliates but if you believe aligning with CrossFit is in the best interest of your family, your, and the people that you are responsible for, right? Your membership, your growth, your potential. If you believe it's in the best interest and you're not doing it because of whatever reason, you know, just take a deep breath. And maybe, maybe that is the right choice because, you know, Fern, to your point, um, I, I, changing, changing course is okay in business. And it's actually really important if you're going down a path in business and it's not sitting right, or maybe it's not even being successful for you you might need to change that course. And it's okay to change course. Like I'll give you an example. During COVID, we signed a deal with fit radio and we were doing follow along on demand workouts on our app. And we spent a lot of time and attention on this. And after like a few months of it, I sat down. I was like, you know what? This isn't us. The follow along on demand fit radio. It just wasn't for us. I love fit radio, but for our gyms and we pivoted back and I had to go to the team and kind of say like guys I was wrong like I thought this was going to be a really good thing but it's not who we are as a culture and I was wrong we're going in this direction and I think that that's important as a gym owner to be able to do that um because you're not always going to be right and things do change leadership has changed at CrossFit things change things evolve and I think that's important to notice too
0: I think that's cool and I appreciate it. I appreciate seeing it. And I appreciate somebody of, of your caliber, just, just not just as a person, but like in the space, generally, I think, I think it's cool to see. And I think it speaks volumes to where things are going and and kind of the the way ahead. So, uh, you know, from me to you, like, I appreciate it. It's cool to see you back in the space. And I think everybody else should be excited because there's a lot of cool stuff coming down the pipe
2: great. <laughs> Thank you.
1: We will have you back on when you launch that nutrition. We definitely yeah. want to hear
2: more about that. Oh, dude. I I think that the nutrition could be, um, I will, uh, d- we could talk offline about like revenue numbers, but I think that we could show a tangible increase in, in, in revenue and more important than the revenue, the, the, the retention for members, because a lot of people that come in, they want to see physical results and, that's an area that we have lacked for years and, and shame on us, right? Because nutrition is such an important piece of seeing those physical results that are typically going to be about weight loss. So if we can get them thinking about that early on, I think it'll help our attention, our average check-in, our longevity, and the amount of people that they tell about how awesome we are.
0: And ultimately their results, yeah. right? Like that's Still a foundation. A, Still the, the foundation, foundation of the pyramid. Awesome.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you could check out Jason, obviously on social media, but you also didn't touch on Your book is still out there, AMRAP Mentality. You got the NC Collective and, you know, potentially you'll see him at a seminar if it's in California at NC.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I would just say that if you're a gym owner out there and, uh, you know, obviously follow us online at nc.fit, at Jason Klepa, but also check out the NC Fit Collective. I think what we're doing is really special. We have a full team that's in charge of it. Um, And what I'd leave you with is that our gyms are predicated on it. Like we own and operate gyms. So if they are not doing well, our and our programming is an issue, that's a big issue. So if it's not working for us, we make adjustments.
1: <laughs> Love it.
2: Well, thanks for coming on, Jason. We appreciate it. Thank you.